It's a new way to lead off your Sunday with conversation, unique perspectives, and your thoughts and questions on the Hometown Nine. It's Twins today. And one, two, he struck him out swinging. A fastball at 93 ends Cabrera's at bat and Duffy with a sharp one, two, three, eighth inning. I would rather be labeled as someone who can really spin a breaking ball, throw a good fastball without any help. Twins today is driven by the Mauer Auto Group. More than cars. Well, I'm 75 now, so that I'll probably hit about 280, <laughs> you know. But, yeah, it was a great question. I caught you tolling off your pits, didn't I? And I said, yes, sir, you sure did. <laughs> now, live from Target Field, here is Derek Wetmore. Morning, Twins fans. Great to be with you today on this uh, sunny Sunday in the Twin Cities. This is Twins Today, a show about the Minnesota Twins. With you here for the next hour, I'm your host, Derek Wetmore. I'm sitting at Target Field, so I can give you a firsthand account of the blue skies over downtown Minneapolis. The Twins round out their series at Tropicana Field in Tampa Bay, St. Pete in a little while. This show is here to get you set for all of that. Uh, This one is a special one-hour edition running here from 10 to 11, after which we'll hand the baton to Corey Provis for Inside Twins with Twins GM Thad Levine. Then it's Chris Atterbury and the Adina Realty pregame lineup card all leading up to first pitch between the Twins and Rays. Griffin Jacks goes for Minnesota. Luis Patino, keep an eye on him. Pitches opposite Jacks for the Rays. We've got a show planned today with a little bit of a minor league flavor to it. Just by coincidence, uh, Rick Knapp joins the show. He is the pitching coach for the AAA Durham Bulls. Uh, up close and personal scattering report on some New twins, including Joe Ryan, who made his debut this past week. We'll talk about him and Drew Strotman. So we're welcoming in Rick to the show in a little while to talk about that. Also, Matt Borgschulte. He's the hitting coach for the AAA St. Paul Saints and basically one of the hitting mentors for a lot of these young twins hitters who we've seen graduate to the big leagues this year. And we'll round out the show with a friend of the show, though this will be his debut. Chris Atterbury is joining me a little later on this hour. But let's get started with the part of the show where we look back at the week and sort of spin it forward. Five thoughts. It's where we dive deep on some five, you know, important topics from the week and what they mean for the Minnesota Twins. Thought number one, it's hard to ignore the news about Kenta Maeda. Number one. When I thought of it in the long run, I think getting the surgery and I might be out for a year or X amount of time, but that might elongate my pitching career in the long run. I wanted to come back strong. I wanted to pitch like what I've used to have been doing. So uh, I decided to take the uh, surgery route. Kenta Maeda having Tommy John surgery and will miss obviously the rest of this season. Chancey misses all of next season too, although there is some optimism with the twins in this newer kind of procedure. Uh, it's a I guess I think of it as a modified Tommy John where you you have your ligament replaced in the elbow, but then also a brace is inserted. And there's some thought that that can help pitchers return more quickly than Tommy John surgeries from the past. Eric Falvey was uh, quoted in the media saying it could be as short as nine or ten months, which would get Maeda back mid-year next year, May, June, July something like that, and that would be great news for the Twins who are looking to build a pitching staff basically from scratch now that there's no Barrios and no Kenta Maeda. But one guy who could help with that is the aforementioned Joe Ryan made his debut this week, and I caught up with Rick Knapp to talk about some of the unique characteristics 
that make Joe Ryan good. Number two. Joe has a couple of things that really make him unique. You got a guy that hides the ball at an elite level. You got a guy that gets extreme extension. You got a guy that carries the ball normally, what, what you would see as normal. And then the carry number isn't what you would expect. So if you're an opposing team and you see the flat out numbers, it's easy to go, wow, man, this guy's just striking out, guys. Just lay off the high pitch. When the high pitch looks like it's, you know, belt buckle high and it ends up, you know, chest high and you're wondering, scratching your head going, how did I miss that? That's the voice of Rick Knapp. He is the former Twins minor league pitching coordinator, now currently with the Tampa Bay Rays organization as the AAA pitching coach in Durham. Great conversation. We taped that earlier this week because of uh, the hectic schedule, of course, for Rick at this time of year. And it's just fascinating insight. I cannot recommend that interview highly enough. That is coming up on the show. Joe Ryan's debut with the Twins against the Cubs. Five innings, three hits, three earned runs. He did give up that homer. Uh, One walk and five strikeouts and showed us what that fastball is all about. Another guy who could help them in the rotation next year, September will be a big month for Randy Dobnak. Number three. We thought that originally I was having a nail issue, and we thought that that was hurting so bad that I was throwing the ball differently, which is what caused more stress on the pulley tendon than usual. My sinker wasn't sinking as much, slider wasn't sliding as much. Getting back to normal and getting the moving back on my pitches is something that's really important for me. Obviously, not my really a really strikeout guy, so kind of rely on locating pitches um, in certain counts and stuff like that. So to have that back is really nice and encouraging. That's Randy Dobnak. He pitched for the first time since mid-June in the Twins rotation. That was the Friday game against the Rays. Seven innings, a career high. Six hits and five earned runs. The first three innings really were all the damage. For Dobnak, though, no walks, two strikeouts, and 15 ground balls in that career high seven innings. He's hoping to make this more than just a lost season. Did you catch the news in the Star Tribune? Twins coach Bill Evers is retiring at the end of the year, according to Phil Miller. Here's Bill. Number four. Well, you got to remember, I did work for the Yankees in their minor league system. So I had some really good players. I was fortunate enough to tell a number of those guys they were going to the big leagues. And one of those guys is being inducted into the Hall of Fame this year in Derek Jeter. So that gave me great reward. Those are the things that that make your heart warm uh, when guys come over and, and they go out of their way to say hello. So th- there's a number of guys that I've had a chance to be around, manage, coach. But when they get to the big leagues and I remember you, it's very rewarding as an individual. That's the voice of Twins coach Bill Evers, who is retiring at the end of the year. You've seen him on TV. He's that stoic sounding board for manager Rocco Baldelli, never far away from Rocco at that top top dugout step. In fact, he's going to manage for Rocco when the manager steps away for a moment for the birth of his first child. That is expected soon, so you'll see Bill Evers before he calls it a career, and what a career it's been uh, decades in the big leagues and, uh, he, hey, he mentioned that uh, Hall of Fame induction that's coming up next week. Jeter, uh, among others, Larry Walker, Marvin Miller, Ted Simmons. Uh, that had us thinking about uh, Hall of Fame in general this week. It's early, but hear me out. Number five. Now here's the pitch, and it's a ground ball back up the middle into center field. Base hit. one nothing in favor of Tampa Bay as a Rosarena will stroll home. A ground ball single. For Wander Franco, who just keeps hitting, and that's now 34 consecutive games reaching base. The 20-year-old Wander Franco, 
the only two men with longer streaks at the age of 20 or less. Mickey Mantle, 36. Frank Robinson, 43. And that's pretty good company. Good company indeed. That's Chris Atterbury on the call. He will join the show in not too long. Uh, Wander Franco, impressive, impressive at the age of 20. Formerly top prospect in all of baseball, now doing it in the big leagues for the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, playing the heck out of shortstop. 340 on base percentage and getting a little power too with seven homers so far. And as you just heard, that impressive on base streak. I'm asking Rick Knapp about that in this next segment because Knapp had a chance to see him about the best seat in the house there in AAA Durham as Wander was getting ready for the big leagues. That's what conversation that's coming up next here on Twins Today. So keep it locked right here. We've got your full day of baseball planned wherever you're listening to this. Right now, it's News Talk 830-WCCO. Welcome back, Twins fans. Twins Today, it's driven by the Mauer Auto Group, More Than Cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, and delighted to be joined by... Triple-A Durham pitching coach, Rick Knapp, joins the show. Rick, how's it going today? Going great, man. Going great. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, obviously, formerly with the Twins organization, some Twins fans will recognize the name. Spent time in a, a number of orgs, and now one of the key pieces, developing all that great young pitching uh, in Tampa Bay's system at Triple-A. So before I ask you specifically about a couple of pitchers who are now um, in, the, in the Twins org, What's it like when you you spend all this time developing some top flight pitching prospects and then they get included in a trade going the other way? I imagine that's got to be a tough day for a pitching coach. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, look, as long as you, I've been in this business, th- this is one of those things that you never get used to. You know, it's uh, even thinking back to the day that it happened, it was a great day for those guys to feel appreciated and wanted and, you know, being traded for a guy that's a potential, you know, Hall of Famer, maybe. I'm not sure what Nelson Cruz's future is going to be, but at the same time, it's crushing to spend and put in as much time as you have and get to know these guys on a personal level, especially going through uh, with Joe anyway, the pandemic and, and stuff at the ATS last year and watching him develop into the picture that he's become. And then stroke of a, uh, phone call or whatever. I mean, I know it's been more than that. It's, I never really looked at these guys as commodities, but uh, when you're putting it uh, personal spin on it, it was, uh, yeah, it was a blow quite honestly. Yeah. And I've only gotten to know Joe a little bit through some brief conversations. I, I haven't had a chance to meet Drew yet, um, but just a steady customer. I think I mean, he got, gets the phone call, looks down at his phone uh, in Japan to see a missed call from the GM that, hey, yeah, you, you've been included in the Nelson Cruz deal. Between that, pitching for Team USA, coming over, he made a couple of starts in AAA before getting his debut this week. Boy, seems like a really, really well-equipped from a mentality perspective to handle that sort of whirlwind. Yeah, it's funny you should say that because it's just thinking back to Joe and what a free spirit that guy is and nothing affect him. And the kid's into everything. He's very knowledgeable. He's very intelligent. Uh, he knows no bounds. And it doesn't seem to me that nothing would really surprise him. I think the major league experience for him is right up his alley. You know, it, it just fits him. It's what he's supposed to do, you know. And uh, knowing Joe for the, the year and a half that I got a chance to be with him, that's the impression that he left on me. Drew, on the other hand, is a little bit more of a calculating approach and 
going to take a little bit longer for him to adapt, adapt and adjust to a new organization. Again, the, the expectations, sometimes that can drive you a little bit wonky. And I know also that in my experience, it's been that you know, some guys won't, won't perform after a trade. It's going to take them a year to get in, you know, mix, get into the mix of what the organization's expectations are for that lad. So again, two completely different types of guys, but two guys that I truly uh, appreciated the time that I got a chance to spend with them. Hopefully I was able to help them down the road a bit. And uh, I'm certain that both will end up being key pieces for the organization. Well, I have no doubt that you helped them along in your journey just with your pitching wisdom and, and guidance and experience. Uh, Twins fans, we got the chance to watch Joe Ryan's debut this week. And Joe Ryan Day, as some people were calling it, uh, he was that uh, anticipated. The thing I always heard about him and watching him pitch for Team USA, it all starts with the fastball. Um, and I know you could say that for most guys, but in Joe's case, uh, from your perspective, Rick, as a pitching coach working with him, what is it that makes that fastball so special? I mean, it's not 99, 100 miles an hour, but he was getting some good swing and miss in his debut with the Twins. Yeah, well, Joe has a couple of things that really make him unique. And quite honestly, in the game that has changed into an incredibly measured thing, the idea that your eyes can see something that's unmeasurable doesn't seem fathomable to highly analytical people, right? So we would tend to not really like things that we don't understand completely. And I think Joe became that sort of an enigma where we couldn't quite figure out or let's say the powers that be didn't know what he did. I think they we were still in the process of figuring them out. And then listen, man, you're not you're not going to get something without giving up something. So I think that we were on the the I mean Joe was on the verge of making a breakthrough in our organization. But the thing is you got a guy that hides the ball at an elite level. You got a guy that gets extreme extension. You got a guy that carries the ball normally, what what you would see as normal. And then the carry number isn't what you would expect. Yeah. So if you're an opposing team and you see the flat out numbers, it's easy to go, wow, man, this guy's just striking out, guys. Just lay off the high pitch. When the high pitch looks like it's, you know, belt buckle high and it ends up you know chest high and you're wondering scratching your head going how did I miss that to me yeah it all starts and finishes with the fastball with Joe though the organization the twins organization and those involved Josh Calk and the gang over there maybe they have a little bit better or better idea of what Joe does I know for me in our organization and Kyle of the directives that were sent down and, and again spending the time that I did with Joe just making sure that he stayed behind the ball. When he would stray, like Joe can do, when he would stray and get a little bit too far away from just the things that made his fastball elite, they showed up pretty quickly. Okay. And we were able to nip those in the bud and get back to making sure that he used his fastball better. And I see that he's using his break the ball a little bit more, but again, just got to make sure that fastball stays true and he'll be just fine. Yeah. Well, it's fascinating perspective there because you're right i i didn't see anything in the sort of under the hood numbers that said this is supposed to be you know the world's greatest fastball but sure enough big league hitters uh he was there getting them out and that actually leads me to my question about drew because at the time of the trade i think joe got a lot of the write-up and a lot of the um accolade for how well he had pitched at triple a durham and and rightfully so but drew strotman is a guy who coming into the year 
some of the analysts that, that I read and people who pay close, close attention to prospects, boy, they really like what um, Drew Strotman brings to the table. He has not got off to a great start in his AAA St. Paul career, um, the walks being a, a bit of an issue for him. But from your perspective of working with him, what do you see in Drew Strotman and maybe why Twins fans ought to be excited about the potential that he does bring? I mean, as you know, I was with the Twins for a long time. And the stuff that we kind of emphasized and the stuff that, you know, Ron Gardenhire and, and Steve Little and that entire, you know, Joe Vavra, the entire Twins organization. I mean, I knew everybody there and the stuff and everybody knew me and they knew what we were going to emphasize. Throwing strikes and defense, that was the Twins mantra. Mm-hmm. And we do the same thing here. It's no different. Strikes first. Throw the ball in the box first. Your stuff will improve as we start to get it in the box more. It's always, there is always a, uh, man, a give and take. You're going to sacrifice stuff to get the ball in the box. You're going to get better stuff to throw the ball out of the box with Drew. And again, I can't speak to what the twins program is or what they, what they are asking him to do, but uh, you know, he walked guys here and uh, we came up with a pretty, you know, I'm going to say a simple plan with, Hey, look, man, when your fastball command's not there, this is what we're going to do. When you have this pitch and maybe in the middle of the game, your fastball command will show up. It was a constant work in progress in between starts, in between bullpens, trying to emphasize certain things, drawing upon my experiences and, and the stuff that I've seen major league pitchers do over time. And a lot of that included the, the Brad Radkes and yeah. Johan Santana's and, and uh, you know, even my major league experience kind of, what those guys would do. And quite honestly, Drew was just, he was starting to catch his, his groove and then he got traded. And it's like, God, man, just as we're starting to get over this yeah. hill here. And I think even Drew would admit that he, he didn't feel that he was quite ready to be a major leaguer. And I'm pretty sure that he probably, I mean, he's very honest. He's a good evaluator of himself. He's got a very, like I said, a technical arm that he wants to make sure that he's dotting the I's and crossing the T's and that it feels right. And, it's just going to take a little bit of time. Sometimes these guys comes from come from trades. I mean, we, we saw the fella up that, you know, 97, 98 mile an hour with a freaking 91 mile an hour cutter and a curveball and a change up. I mean, we, he has all the elements and, you know, on one, one day, I mean, he's going to light you up and you're going to go, wow, what's what, why is this guy here? And then another day you're going to go, this guy don't belong here, but that's why there's minor leagues. Right. So very happy with what he was able to accomplish with us. And I hope that he's able to you know, continue. I know that I still have friends, you know, over there with the twins and I keep track of these guys and I'm not getting in the way. I'm just, just keeping tabs on them. Just watching. Like a proud pop. Yeah. <laughs> seeing them, you know, as they work their way up to eventually the ultimate goal, uh, pitching in the big leagues. For um, sure. Well, this has been a great pleasure to get to chat with you, Rick Knapp, pitching coach for the AAA Durham Bulls and uh, maybe the world's leading expert on Joe Ryan and Drew Strotman. So, uh, Rick, thank you very much for your time and expertise. You bet. I'm, I'm not an expert. No means. No means. <laughs> All right. I, I, I try to just get along. <laughs> I tell you what, man, Joe Ryan is, is a special and so is Drew Strotman. Give him a chance. Rick, it's been a great conversation, and uh, thank you for taking time for Twins today. Yeah, man, you bet. You bet. Good talking with you. That's the voice of Rick Knapp, pitching coach for the AAA Durham Bulls. Saw Joe Ryan and Drew Strotman up close and personal, and uh, also spent some time with the Twins organization. 
He's a minor league pitching coordinator. He spent time with the Tigers, Royals, Dodgers, and now in the Rays organization. Coming up on Twins today, we're going to hear from AAA Saints hitting coach Matt Borkshalty, who's worked with a number of these young Twins hitters for some of his perspective on developing hitting at the highest levels. Looking forward to that, and we close the show with a friend of the show, Chris Atterbury. Now, though, it is time for a quick chat with Jeremy from the Mauer Auto Group. Twins Today is driven by the Mauer Auto Group, more than cars. Let's get the latest as Jeremy joins us right now on the phone lines. Jeremy, how's it going today? It is going great. Thanks for asking. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I'm glad to hear that, and thank you for asking. And I'm, I'm wondering, as we get into fall weather here, Jeremy, We've talked a couple weeks here on the show about some of the more popular vehicles. And I was just wondering, does that change either monthly, seasonally? Well, typically the vehicle popularity is crossovers. I mean, that's the hottest segment right now. Crossovers are always selling and we've got seven different ones. We've got the Trax, we've got the Traverse, we got the new Trailblazer, we got the Equinox. I mean, we got a ton of them to choose from. But seasonally, it depends on if your friends have a truck or not. (laughs) because <laughs> if your friends have a truck you can borrow one if they don't you might need to go buy a truck because you know seasonally now we got leave cleanup people are cutting down trees i hear it every morning in my neighborhood someone else is cutting down a tree you know yep so um seasonally yes trucks are hot right now which is why chevrolet obviously they just announced in the month of september i'm sure you've seen it on tv it's truck month and what does truck month mean? Now, I, I have the privilege. My brother is kind enough to uh, loan out his truck when it's needed. But I'm curious for the people that are looking into this, Jeremy, what does truck month mean at Chevrolet? Well, what truck month means at Chevrolet is, A, we're going to get you into a new Silverado, which is the hottest truck in the market. And we've got you covered from whether you need a regular cab up to an extended cab, which is now called a double cab, a crew cab, a half ton, a three quarter ton, a one ton. We got you everywhere. But for truck month, what's going to happen is you get $1,000 worth of truck accessories included in the vehicle purchase, which I don't know anybody out there that doesn't buy a brand new truck and then has to personalize it the way they want it, whether it be a thermal <laughs> cover, running boards, uh, an additional subwoofer in the system, some Bluetooth head, you know, whatever it is they need, they can get the GM accessories and then Chevrolet is going to include $1,000. That's Really cool. Hey, if people want to learn more about this, what's the website people can check out to learn more? Yeah, the best website to go to, of course, is the MauerAutoGroup.com website, because then you're going to see actually why we are more than cars. But more importantly, you can link yourself to all three of the websites, the Mauer Buick GMC, the Mauer Chevrolet in Ember Grove, or the Mauer Chev up in Anoka. You can look at all of our inventory. We'll get you the truck that you need, and you can check everything out. Come see us. Our salesmen are all versed on the new programs, and we're ready to go. Love it. MauerAutoGroup.com is the website. I clicked through to the tab Mauer Main Chevrolet, and uh, you don't have to look far to find the information on Truck Month. So, uh, Jeremy, uh, very good information. We appreciate your insight as always, and thanks for coming on Twins Today. All right. Thank you. Have a great weekend. All right. Welcome back to Twins Today. It's driven by the Mauer Auto Group, more than cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, and delighted to be joined by AAA St. Paul Saints hitting coach. He is Matt Borgschulte. Matt, thanks for joining Twins today. Thank you for having me on, Derek. The pleasure's all mine, and I've been I've been wanting to talk to you for a while about some of these hitters that are climbing up through the ranks and that you're helping to, to mold and help them on their journey. 
just to set the scene for Twins fans, Matt, who are some of the hitters that you've worked with in the past two, three years who Twins fans would know the names of? Well, if you look at most of the young guys that have come up the past two years, I've, I've worked with them. Um, it's, it's been awesome. We have a lot of young talent in the organization, and uh, it, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun, a lot of good kids, and it's fun to see them progress through their careers and really get a chance to uh, show what they can do at the major league level. And we're, we're hoping to continue that progress and continue that development with uh, a lot of these hitters. But, uh, you know, Larnick, Rortvet, um, Gordon this year, um, Kirloff, I mean, any, any of the young guys that have come up this year or, or mostly last year, I've, uh, I've had a chance to work with those guys and it's, it's been a lot of fun. So you've uh, worked with the Twins for a couple of years now, uh, GCL, Fort Myers. So correct me if I'm wrong here, but my, my sort of impression is you are you're able and almost required to hold in a lot of information, kind of balancing all at once, uh, individual swing mechanics, uh, hitting approach at the plate, how guys are feeling on a certain day, sort of all with the backdrop of how can I make these guys better today? How, if I can just ask you the kind of blunt question, where did you get that drive or that desire to understand those finer points of hitting? Well, I, I, I'll tell you that I've been really lucky to be around a, a lot of really good baseball people, a lot of really good people that know a lot about the swing. Um, I, I don't know if it was because I didn't reach the point in my career, which which I uh, had, a, had a ton of success offensively, at least that I wanted to. And maybe that that's Part of what really drives me to try to help every single guy be the best that they can be, and uh, you know I, that's just it's just something that I really love doing. And um, you know, critiquing a swing, looking through all the different ways that I can try to help help a, a hitter get better, and um, it's it's really something that I enjoy doing. And when when it when it starts to click for some guys and they start to understand some of the things that we're trying to do with them, um, that's that's one of the best feelings that to to feel like you have some kind of a effect on these guys in a positive way and whether they think you do or not it's it's awesome to have it um, and when it comes down to it the hitter's doing it so it's really not that much of an effect for me it's just it's just uh, them being able to, to show what they can truly do and, and reach their potential sure i don't know if you would have i think you would have overlapped with james rousen and maybe some of the hitting clinics uh down in florida when he was with the organization um, and I only bring him up because I learned a bit about the twins sort of hitting philosophies or, or some of their thoughts behind hitting or approach at the plate uh, from him uh, a couple of years ago. Now he's obviously gone to a different organization, but for twins fans who are curious about this stuff and who really like to get into the nitty gritty of hitting, is it possible even to sort of summarize an organizational hitting philosophy? If it is, what would you say the twins is in 2021? I would say that that our, our our philosophy is that we want to swing at pitches in the zone and we want to try to do damage. Um, we want to try to get on base and we want to try to swing at pitches that we can do damage on. Um, I think that's pretty safe bet if we're able to swing at pitches in the strike zone or at least pitches that are that are in the middle of the plate. We're going to be able to barrel them more often. And the more often you barrel the ball, the, the better chance you have of, of producing a hit or an extra base hit, preferably an extra base hit because Nowadays, with the guys, the way the guys are throwing, it's really difficult to string a couple hits together, especially when you got the really, really good guys on the mound. Um, so if we can get an extra base hit there, move runners around, um, getting on base is is really key. So I think 
that's probably the way that I would uh, describe our, our hitting philosophy is that we want to swing at pitches in the zone and we want to make hard contact with those pitches. It's a great summation of, of all the work that you do kind of daily. Um, however, you know better than I do, it's easier said than it is done uh, by some of these guys that, that actually have to go out and face that nasty breaking stuff or velocity higher than we've ever seen it before in baseball history. What are some of the ways that you can help a guy? Let's just, let's take a Saints player, for example. Rob Refsnyder was on the show earlier this year, and he gave you a lot of credit for the work you guys have done in a kind of admittedly short time together, um, helping with his swing and his approach at the plate. How do you help get a guy learn to attack those balls in the middle of the strike zone? And then, oh, hey, if it's a slider away, and this is going to be breaking out of the strike zone, just leave that one alone. I mean, it's it seems to me like it's so much easier said than it is done. Well, there's no question it's easier said than, than done, and that's why we're seeing, uh, you know, some some of these uh, pitchers continue to throw more and more off-speed pitches because yeah. it's it's difficult for, for guys to pick up sometimes and hit. Um, with with Rev specifically, he he already did a really good job of controlling the strike zone and, and laying off pitches. He always put together a really good bat. Um, for him, it was just a slight tweak to try to um, produce a little bit more on those balls that he did make contact with. And, and that was something that, that he was able to have a lot of success with um, while he was here and then, and then taking it to the major leagues. Twins fans, Matt Borgschalte is our guest. He's the hitting coach for the AAA St. Paul Saints, been with the Twins organization for a few years now and worked with a lot of the hitters that you're seeing in the, the lineups now. I mean, the, the Nick Gordons, Rob Refsnyder, we just talked about Trevor Larnick, Alex Kirilov, on and on and on uh, down the list. Uh, if, if they're a young player in the Twins organization, Matt's probably worked with them in, in very recent times. A common theme, the pitch recognition is something that it kind of separates for, for me, a guy who is struggling to get to the big leagues to if you have that skill and can advance it. OK, now you might be a regular if you're already a regular and you can sort of advance that skill. Now you're talking great hitter. In your belief, can you get better at pitch recognition uh, throughout your career? If so, how do you go about trying to get guys to that sort of top level? Yeah, I, I definitely believe that's something that you can improve on. Um, there's there's a lot of different drills and techniques that, that we're using to, to try to help guys speed that up. Um, traditionally, it's just getting at bats, seeing pitches, sure. um, kind of building that repertoire, building that uh, – uh, that database of pitches uh, that, that you choose from whenever you make that split second decision at 400 milliseconds from the time they release it. So the, the more pitches that guys can see, the more the bigger their database is, the, the better off they are. And, and while some of these drills might not specifically be just as good as, as having an at-bat, we can train them on things, what to look for, you know, how to make that decision and, and give them, give them some, some of those repetitions so that they can kind of ho- hopefully speed that uh, process up a little bit um, to what, to where they can reach that, that threshold of plate appearances and, and pitches seen. So um, the more pitches they're able to, to recognize and kind of get feedback from, then they can uh, start making those decisions hopefully a little bit better. Sure. Yeah, I know it's dangerous to listen or or read too much into what you see online because everybody's a hitting guru on Twitter. But I've seen like apps and stuff like that. Do you guys use any of that? Is is that beneficial or is that kind of uh, pseudoscience right now? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, there's one 
called Game Sense Sports um, that, that Dr. Peter Fatty and uh, Tom Hardikes yeah. and some, some others have have created. And that was actually based on some of the work that, we, that we've done together when I was coaching in college uh, with cool. another guy named Dylan Lawson, who's uh, working from New York Yankees. Uh, we, we do it a little bit differently our way, um, just from pitchers that we face, uh, which makes it a little bit more specific. But I think those are very, very beneficial. The occlusion training, video occlusion training, cutting the pitch off and, and forcing the hitter to, to make decision on the pitch um, based on the information that they have. Um, because that's when the decision has to be made. That, that's another way to, to expand that database of, of pitches so that they can have a better chance of recognizing it correctly. Sure. And just briefly for listeners, video occlusion training, can you, you just kind of explain what that even means? Yeah. Essentially what, what, what happens is it's a video of a picture from a hitter's perspective, and uh, the, the video will cut to black about a third of the way, maybe 20 feet out of the pitcher's hand. Um, and then the hitter will be forced to make a decision. Was that a fastball, curveball, change it up, whatever pitch it was, whatever the guy's repertoire is, and was it a ball or a strike? After they make that decision, they get a full feedback of the, the full entire pitch and see, okay, yeah, that was a breaking ball, but it was down. I, I thought it was going to stay in the zone. Hmm. So that's, a, that's one way to kind of get them uh, to make the decision at the time that they actually need to make it in the game. And uh, instead of just kind of tracking that pitch, they're actually forcing, we're actually forcing them to make that decision uh, so they have a better chance of, of, uh, of getting it right. Some, yeah. some predictiveness in there, obviously. Sure. And and tighter feedback loop than having to get 1,500 at-bats in the big leagues before you <laughs> are capable exactly of doing right. that. Exactly right. I learned a long time ago in my career that we can focus too much on uh, hitters weaknesses and shortcomings and how easy is it from my chair or, or others in the media to say, this guy can't do this or he's got a shortcoming here. That's the easiest thing in the world, but that the the doors open up if you are able to sort of recognize and, and articulate what a guy does exceptionally well, because ultimately even at the AAA level, everybody there is the best baseball player you've ever seen in your life. And that's just incredible to me. I try to hold that with me. With that in mind, the final question that I have for you is Twins fans have been seeing his stats in the minor leagues going back to AA Wichita and just a hit machine there. He's been promoted to St. Paul and he's a, remained a hit machine at that level. Uh, Matt, from your perspective as a hitting coach, what makes Jose Miranda special as a hitter? Oh, man. Jose is a, is a very fun player to watch. I'll tell you that. He barrels everything. He hits. He can put the bat on everything and put the barrel on everything. With Jose, he's just gotten so much better at controlling the strike zone and, and swinging at pitches that, that he can do damage on. Because he can swing at a pitch a foot outside and hit. And sometimes he might get a base hit on it, but more, more times than not, he'll get himself out. Um, so with, with his ability to get a lot better and his openness and willingness to, to really hone in and work on that, and he's putting in a lot of good work. And it's, and it's fun to watch that pay off. Right? You could see that he had some skills to be able to put the barrel on the ball and hit balls hard. Hmm. And now that he's swinging that pitches in the zone a lot more, he's, he's really showing what he can do. And it's, it's really fun to watch. Fascinating perspective, uh, wonderful insight. And uh, Matt Borgschalte, the hitting coach for AAA St. Paul Saints, has been our guest here on Twins Today. Uh, Matt, thank you for that uh, firsthand scattering report, and thank you for your time today. Of course, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. More baseball after this coming up on Twins Today. You're listening to News Talk 830 WCCO. 
Okay, welcome back. Twins Today, it's driven by the Mauer Auto Group, more than cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore. Fun show here, all ahead of Inside Twins with Corey Provis at GM Thad Levine. But first, wrapping the show here on Twins Today with a friend of the show making his debut, Chris Atterbury. Chris, thanks for being here. Yeah, no problem. Well, uh, I, I hope it's okay with you that I've called you a friend of the show. As I was I was teasing and front-selling, uh, I, I think it fits. You've been here with the twins now for 15 years and I got to say off the top always very welcoming to me and, and I appreciate that but 15 years with the twins you got to have some stories there are a few there are a few we can't tell most of them but yeah <laughs> not we, on star- the air. we started um you know and we were studio was in Butler Square yeah and then obviously the ballpark was you know was down the road and so we would go over for bp try to get sound you'd catch the light rail or you'd sprint up the street (laughs) and you'd go into the studio and so you were really far removed from everything until target field opened and they put the studio here and we were all fired up about it the studio's kind of down in the basement and now it's been you know just 11 years in the dungeon down there so there were days where i'd be in the elevator to come upstairs and and people, like even on the PR staff, would be like, are you allowed up here? Are you allowed to be upstairs? I mean, are you, are you sure? But, yeah, we've had some times. One time before a ball game, we ran into Walter Mondale on the light rail, and Gino and I argued for eight innings over whether it was really him. Uh, and, and then another time, uh, Gino had to Ronaldo Nehemiah hurdle over a baby carriage because we were late getting back from the Dome. So those days were interesting. And it was funny because we were always looking down the road at the Dome to do that day's job, sure. but also looking the other way out the back window as this ballpark was built. And we did a lot of really cool pieces on the ballpark. So we've had a lot of fun. We've got a lot of really good pieces. You know, we put our bases out there every night, some some little interesting arcane nuggets. Obscure facts, and that's mostly. that's kind of been – it was kind of – no one else was really doing it sure. at first. And then – Phil Miller kind of got on board, and then now it's like a whole cottage industry. Yes. You can can get a full-time job. Sarah Langs gets a full-time job and a staff uh, and a national profile to do it. So, But it's it's fun, and uh, we've seen a lot of baseball, and most importantly, we met a lot of really – Really good people along the way. Some not so good, but, sure, but of a lot of good people along the way. And some great baseball, some not so great baseball. Uh, but 2010, w- what was that like for you? Um, you mentioned that at Twins Radio uh, uh, just sort of group that puts together some of that stuff. By the way, listeners, you can follow at Twins Radio on Twitter is where you find Circle of Bases stuff every night. That's the, the brainchild that's uh, born of the dungeon downstairs, as you say, here at Target Field. But what was the opening of this park life like? Because I, I don't know about you, I love that this is an office. Yeah, it was it was frenetic. It was nice, but it was frenetic. That was a weird year. Uh, we had we had a really good team and that made it fun and the atmosphere was awesome. There was always a lot of extra moving parts, people trying to figure things out. We lean very heavily on, on our interns. We've had some brilliant ones, including the guy who's now our boss that year, that year, that was a tough year intern wise. And so we, we ended up, it was just a real, it was a daily, you didn't know what was going to come up next. Okay. Uh, And it was one where you sat back at the end of the year and were like, Wow, that was something. Uh, and then we've kind of figured out from there, sure. you know, moving forward. So uh, it was it was it was interesting. Um, one of my one of my favorite teams to be around. That group of players and that staff and that clubhouse was really 
really good to us sure. and really special. Chris Atterbury is our guest here on Twins Today. You hear him on the pre- and post-game show most times. Always pinch hitting and doing uh, extra radio duties as you did this week with Dan Gladden doing play-by-play. Now, that's not pinch hitting. That's part of my job, too. So don't. it's not, that's like, right. not like they drag me in off the street that's as right. like, uh, right. you know, I'm the stand-in or anything. That is part of my job. You know, Derek Shelton, who was the bench coach here for uh, Paul Molitor, he managed a couple of games, and I don't remember if it was – Molly was going to graduation. He went to Cooperstown. Or, he went to Cooperstown. Uh, that's right. That's yeah. right. He was stepped away to uh, go to the Hall of Fame induction ceremony, and so I called uh, Shelton pinch hitter. He also didn't like ah, that because no. of the implication of pinch hitting for one of the greatest hitters of all time. So I didn't mean it in a like a, a disparaging <laughs> way to either one of you, but it's just a term of endearment, I guess you'd say. Um, Anyway, you've been doing this for a number of years, Chris, uh, with the Minnesota Twins, and people have heard your voice. I do the the introduction just for radio uh, uh, formalities. That's what you do here. But you and I also have had these great conversations about on the field. And I know we've only got a, a few minutes left here. But as you've sort of seen this, let's call it what it is, nosedive of the Twins pitching staff from a, a great year in 19, pretty good in 2020, and now just falling off a cliff – do you see a turnaround coming around the corner with some of the young talent that we've seen at Griffin Jacks taking the mound today? I mean, you hope so, but but you don't know. I mean, I wish I, I – I guess I was better informed before the pandemic, right, because that was part of the job sure. was yeah. to know the personalities of the pitchers, yeah. to talk to the pitchers, to talk to the catchers, to talk to the pitching coach, to talk to the bullpen coach. Be in the clubhouse and learning. Those things are gone now, right? So now yeah. we're basically taking everybody at their word of what they want us to know as opposed to being able to figure out things on our own. So I don't know, Derek. Sure. I wish I could tell you. There are names that we hear through the minor league system. Um, and, it's like and, 10 and or you, 12 names long And right you, now. Hope, you hope you see them here and they do great. But we're at the point now where in terms of just access at spring training and yeah. the way things have had to be, we don't know them. So right. it's hard to get a real feel for anything. I think Joe Ryan coming up was fun. Yeah. It's exciting. Griffin is really fun to cheer for. He's easy to root for. Will his stuff can consistently play? Sure. Uh, we'll find out because he's going to get tested by a really good baseball team today. Yeah. They're on pace. They're raised to strike out more than any team in the history of the game, and yet they don't chase, which is a crazy <laughs> which is a crazy number. They've got a couple guys like a Rosarena will chase that slider out of the zone, uh, but for the most part, they'll wait you out, and they just hit line drives, and we've seen a lot of that the last two days. Scoring more than any other ale club on a per-game basis, which I think lends credence to the theory as a hitting philosophy, swing at strikes. Yeah, and, and what they do is, even early yesterday, they didn't try to all hit home runs. Yeah. It was just these whistling line drives into the gap. They use gap to gap probably better than any team okay. we faced all year long. Yeah, and they've the part that's fascinating to me, um, they've we know how they built their pitching staff. The 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 old cliche, the island of misfit toys. They just bring a guy, David Robertson. Dietrich ends pumping ninety six <laughs> right. yesterday. Just pull a guy in. He's going to be a lights out reliever in no time. And offensively, they've sort of done the same kind of thing. Other than Nelson Cruz and now Wander Franco, you wouldn't have looked at that team and said, "Oh, that guy's going to be a part of a first division offense." He's a stud. They're just. They've found a way to make it work with, again, sort of misfits. Yeah, they, they figure out how to get 
the best and put them in the best spots, right? And they've had guys who rotate through, and and I think Cruz really ties the whole room together, to use the big Lebowski uh, rug reference, because you can just plant him in the middle of the lineup, and then all the versatile guys can dance around him like a maypole, you know, because you sure. know what you've got right in the middle of that lineup. A Rosarena gives them something they haven't had either. That That's explosive true. element. That's true. He has that explosive element. That frees up a Brandon Lau to either hit first or sixth and just swing for the fences. Yes. Uh, you know, That's and, and Joey Wendell to come out and just mash right-handers. Jordan Luplo has always been a great platoon guy. Yeah. Kiermaier does his thing, you know, and, and so the, the sum of the parts is always, uh, you know, better. The result is always better than the sum of the parts, and that's what you want. That's great roster management from the from the front office in terms of, of always having a plan B, C, and D and different ways to beat you. Uh, and that's why they're top five in every single offensive category. Yeah. Whether it's steals, whether it's walks, whether it's power numbers, you know, whether it's still, you know, anything, uh, because they're such a diverse group. You'll be proud of me here, and I can make that assumption. I understood your big Lebowski reference. That's big for you. It ties the room together. That's big for you. And that's really big. I we're closing here. We got like a minute to go, Chris. I have not watched very many movies. I will admit that in public sphere right here. And you give me a hard time for it every other time we talk. <laughs> it's it's either that or, or something with a, a recent take or a tweet that I've had. Uh, give me a movie recommendation that I am going to have to be pinned down and take. Corey Provis, was, he crushed me last week because I hadn't seen Top Gun. And Ooh. so I, he gave me that on the show in our final minute here. What do you got for me? Uh, Young Frankenstein. Okay. Yeah. Frankenstein. Uh, exactly. See, you're already on it. See, I, I pick up cultural references throughout without having ever seen it. So. Ovaltine. <laughs> Warm milk. Yeah. I'm uh, going to add Frank it to Young Frankenstein. Frank, Frank, Frankenstein. <laughs> one of the all-time classics. Okay. And once you've seen it, you'll be able to converse with my 12-year-old. Okay. That sounds good. Well, Chris, uh, really appreciate you taking some time out of your Sunday here. Thanks for joining Twins today. All right. We'll see you downstairs. That's Chris Atterbury. You can hear him on the pregame lineup card coming up in a little bit. But first, we'll hand it off to Corey Provis and Thad Levine for Inside Twins. Our thanks to Chris Atterbury, Rick Knapp, and Mac- Matt Borgschulte, our guests this week on Twins Today. Catch us next week, 10 to noon, right here, WCCO Radio. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you then. This is News Talk 830-WCCO. You have been listening to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, more than cars. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.